Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. Yale Global Online is the flagship publication of the Yale Center for the Study of Globalization and explores the implications of the world's growing interconnectedness through people, products, and ideas. The Impossible Tasks of Sorting Economic and Political Refugees Growing numbers of refugees cross multiple borders and nations tighten rules to separate those who pursue economic versus political security. This Yale Global article is written by Will Hickey and read by Susan Frachel. The European Union is going out of its way to distinguish asylum seekers from economic migrants. This is despite warnings from institutional economists who focus on how systems change behavior. These economists have long derided attempts to handle politics and economics as exclusively discrete. At the core, the issue may seem dichotomous, promoting freedom versus advancement, but appearances are deceiving. Consider Germany's plan to expel several thousand Balkan economic refugees to accommodate the hundreds of thousands of newly arriving asylum seekers from Syria, Afghanistan, and Iraq. The refugees put significant pressure on the EU countries that agreed to border-free travel. Some EU nations are building fences and fortifying borders with fellow EU members. Many analysts point to Angela Merkel's liberal policies on immigration as a reason for her party losing seats in Parliament and a far-right party doing so well. The economy and politics are inextricably intertwined. All economic problems are rooted in political ones, and vice versa, argued Douglas North who received the Nobel Prize in Economics for his theory on natural state of human existence. He suggested that much of the world remains defined by personal transactions and favoritism, whereby forming and enforcing agreements are limited to an exclusive group of elites. If there is no political gain-sharing or democratic channels among groups in a given society, his theory suggests, those excluded rebel and seek greener pastures elsewhere as economic necessity. The theory describes Syria today with civil war and no economic advancement. North argues that a sustainable and open society requires empowerment of all competing groups. Only a handful of countries have reached this level of cognizance. The real issues of the Balkans, for example, and transitory migrants are of integration and identity. Modern secularist mandates cannot neatly solve such conflicts. The dilemma of political refugees versus economic migrants is not new. Germany is not alone in struggling to determine the worthiest or neediest migrants. In 1980, Harvard's Michael Tietelbaum predicted that refugees would become among the most troubling issue of this century. He has researched international migration for decades, and he argues that economics is a strong driver for why people migrate and become refugees. 
Tiedelbaum and North each understood that economics and politics cannot be separated. There are gray areas, often complicated by contradictory policies, such as skilled and family-based migration. Multiple examples can be found within the context of recent mass migrations. The Rohingya people fleeing Myanmar, Syrians fleeing civil war, Tamils fleeing political retribution in Sri Lanka, Guatemalans fleeing gang and drug violence, and the North Koreans and South Sudanese fleeing brutal political oppression. Malcolm Turnbull, the Prime Minister of Australia, has proclaimed that no one arriving by boat should be allowed to permanently settle in his country. Australia has a controversial policy of placing illegal migrants in third countries, such as Cambodia, for payment. But besides that, he posited questions that should not be dismissed as political pandering. If migration is really about refugee status, then shouldn't political obligations stop at the first border? Wouldn't crossing subsequent borders hence render the political asylum process moot? Countries can be both embarkation and host countries, depending on the reasons for migration. They can also be transit countries and destination countries, depending on anticipated welcome, support, or affinity. For example, Syrian refugees heading for Europe travel through Turkey or Northern Africa. Haitians might travel through Mexico to reach the United States. Global migration numbers are on the rise, from 173 million in the year 2000 to more than 240 million in 2015. International law and definitions have not kept pace. Three characteristics of modern migrants are behind the rising numbers. First, migrants are technologically adept. They rely on Google Maps for planning journeys and social networking to find members of law enforcement who may come to their aid. Mobile phones are used to reach out to international media outlets. Second, migrants are legally knowledgeable. They are increasingly aware of Western rights. These concepts include anchor babies, the illegal right of automatic citizenship granted to any child born on U.S. or Canadian territory, regardless of the parent's legal standing. Migrants know about asylum offers in Germany to those from war-torn nations like Yemen or Syria. They know about the lack of a language requirement in Sweden. Third, migrants are economically prudent. Even the most desperate Syrians fleeing the war assess cost-risk scenarios. Comparing stories from friends, family, and the internet, they decide whether to use smugglers to cross by sea or use bicycles to cross borders. Costs factor into every decision on whether to take a bus or a 500 euro taxi, try a rubber dinghy, or pay more for a speedboat. A core principle of the 1951 Refugee Convention asserts that refugees should not be returned to a country where they face serious threats to life or freedom. But as people cross borders in search of increasing levels of safety, the migration takes on complex legalities and a gradual process 
toward economic migrant status. Theoretically, an initial transit by an asylum seeker in Serbia, Mexico, or Jordan could be the defining litmus of a political versus economic refugee. For example, China, a signatory to the treaty, frequently returns asylum-seeking North Koreans directly to hostile conditions as economic refugees despite resettlement pleas by South Koreans. The Refugee Convention outlines basic standards for treatment, including access to courts, primary education, work and travel documents similar to passports. But sympathy can decline over time. There are delays in registration and rough treatment, along with minimal education, health care, or employment opportunities. Countries have discovered that generosity attracts overwhelming numbers of refugees. Many discourage migrants by making deals with developing nations and insisting that refugees cannot pursue multiple border crossings. Thus, a Syrian refugee under threat of war in his home country could forfeit this claim to political refugee status after first setting foot in Turkey or Jordan. As Syrians pass through Greece or Hungary and on to Germany, their claims to persecution are diminished, however unpalatable that may seem. The United Nations and governments attempt the impossible task of establishing definitions for economic versus political refugee. The lines have become blurred. The ultimate decisions, predisposed to cultural and historical prejudice, are no less heartbreaking. Will Hickey is an author and associate professor with the School of Government and Public Policy in Indonesia. This and other Yale Global articles can be found at yaleglobal.yale.edu.